Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Please subscribe to the show to make sure you don't miss any of our news, analysis, interviews and special features. And it would be great if you could give us a rating too. It helps other people to find us. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Parliament is back, but it's a bit different in a lot of ways. So I will be calling Sir Keir Starmer and welcoming him in his first outing to this batch box. Sir Keir Starmer faced off against Dominic Raab in the Commons for PMQs, but most of the MPs had to dial in. We ask Evening Standard columnist Aisha Hazarika how the new virtual parliament worked. Also, look forward or anticipate at least um, less choice and um, higher fares. Travel journalist Simon Calder. One airline is offering flights next year for £15. Is it finally time to book our holidays again? And will the bargains last? Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the virtual PMQs. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. We are now going over to questions to the Prime Minister. I will be running the questions for 45 minutes. I will call the First Secretary of State to answer the engagement questions. And can I welcome to the dispatch box? Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. I've been asked to respond on behalf of my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister. The Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, was there, First Secretary Dominic Raab and Labour's new leader, Sir Keir Starmer. Most of the MPs, though, were not at Prime Minister's questions. They had to be beamed in via Zoom. And Boris Johnson himself was also absent, still recovering from coronavirus. But the Evening Standard's editorial column is pleased the Commons is making at least some noise again. The House of Commons' return is an important signal that parliamentary democracy continues even, in fact, especially in national crisis. The benefit of the doubt given to the government in the early weeks of the pandemic is giving way to a legitimate probing of the promises made and the problems in delivering them. The Prime Minister's absence from the helm as he quite rightly recuperates may be an explanation for the drift at the centre of government, but that too is not an excuse. The health of 60 million people cannot wait on the return to health of one person. Either Boris Johnson is well enough to lead, which we hope he is, or else the vacuum has to be filled by others. 
Well, Evening Standard columnist Aisha Hazarika literally wrote the book on Prime Minister's Questions. It's an insider's guide called Punch and Judy Politics. And she's with me over Zoom now. Aisha, you've sat through many as a PMQ. Did this format work? I was surprised at how well it worked. I was um, quite nervous about um, how it would work. I mean, obviously the interaction between Keir Starmer and Dominic Raab was still as normal. That was just across the dispatch book, so that wasn't a huge change. So I will be calling Sir Keir Starmer and welcoming in in his first outing to the dispatch box. Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I thank you, the House authorities and the staff for allowing us to meet in this way today because it's important that we have this scrutiny. I actually thought that the virtual PMQs was almost worked slightly better for the backbench questions because first of all, you could actually hear what people were saying without all the noise. Secondly, because people were going to be on television, I think they'd made a bit of an effort to keep their questions quite short and snappy and to the point. Sometimes in Parliament, you kind of get see somebody stand up and it's a bit of a rambling stream of consciousness. Sometimes you're like, is there a question coming? I'm not sure. But thirdly, wasn't it interesting to have a wee glimpse into people's homes? It was like sort of political through the keyhole, which let's be honest, who doesn't like a wee snoop around everyone's houses? Something else that was new today was Labour's new leader, Sir Keir Starmer. Totally very unusual circumstances for someone to have to do the first PMQs. How did he do? Most uh, new leaders will be absolutely quaking in their boots about doing PMQs. And I'm sure kind of Keir Starmer was, it was kind of similar, but it was a very, very different setup. It didn't have the sort of heat um, and the rowdy heckling and the, a full chamber. But that didn't mean that it wasn't going to be any less stressful because I think your debut outing, you know that all eyes are on you. And I think he did really really well and I think why he was good was that he set out his stall from the beginning. Mr Speaker, I promised that we would give constructive opposition with the courage to support the government where that's the right thing to do and we all want and need the government to succeed in defeating coronavirus but we also have to have the courage to challenge where we think the government is getting it wrong. I think that is the, the right tone for his leadership. But for me, the other thing which was so cru crucial as somebody who has really studied PMQs, I, that was my job for, for five over five years when I was a political advisor for the Labour Party. I've written a book about it, Punch and Judy Politics. But for me, his delivery and his style and his performance were really, really interesting. You could tell that he was a lawyer. You could tell he was very, very comfortable with the idea of asking questions, listening to the answer, calibrating a response, coming back. He's a good debater in an effective but grown-up and courteous way. You can tell he's somebody who is very comfortable in a courtroom. And interestingly, today, the unique circumstances of the social distancing, quite an empty chamber, lots of TV screens. It actually was quite similar to a courtroom. Yeah, I when I was watching it, I felt this is like a courtroom. It's because of, like you said, there's so little noise. Now, we all love the boisterousness of PMQs, the hear-hears and the boos and the yars and everything. But when you pull all that away, 
you get the real politics, don't you? I mean, I often defend the ferociousness and the rowdiness and the bawdiness of, of the chamber. And I think that is um, quite an important part of our sort of, um, our kind of, uh, the theatre of our, our, our democracy. And I think it does have its place. But I think what we haven't seen in Prime Minister's questions for, for such a long time are people that can sort of, you know, cut through the, the heat and the, the sound and the fury. But a note of caution, new leaders, whether they're the Prime Minister or the leader of the opposition, always get a good run at their first PMQs. It's sort of like a kind of an unspoken rule of British politics. You have to be absolutely terrible to fluff your first PMQs. This was very, very unusual circumstances. And remember the future, if he does have any future interactions with Dominic Raab, they don't really matter that much. The yes, they're gonna be watched, but they're mainly the dress rehearsal for the real debut, which is gonna be against Boris Johnson. And that could be a very, very different scenario. And of course, when the chamber comes back and you've got 650 people braying and heckling and making a lot of noise, and of course the prime minister, I actually don't think Boris Johnson is a, is a brilliant debater, but he does have the noise of all the Tory MPs behind him. He will have that wall of sound. Yeah, when that all returns, that's really Boris Johnson's playing ground, isn't it? He thrives on that. I do wonder, much as lots of MPs will be sitting watching PMQs and going, I can do that one day. I wonder how when you get the ferociousness of that coming back to you for the first time, how intimidating that must be actually it's hugely intimidating and i think pretty much every single person we interviewed for our book who had done pmqs who had stood at the dispatch box and um, including the editor of our newspaper uh, george osborne he stood in for, for david cameron a couple of times pretty much everybody said that it's absolutely terrifying that there is a fear which is not just um in your head your whole body feels the fear you know tony blair said that that anxiety and the sort of visceral um you know your body is in kind of like fight or flight mode it never ever goes away the only person we spoke to who said that he did actually feel pretty comfortable at the dispatch box and i think he is quite unusual was william haig um he was um a really skilled debater and he has he has been a skilled debater from when he was a, a kind of a, a young chap you know when he was sort of in his teens so i think he he had quite a unique gift at being very very quick witted he he absolutely loved um that environment but most people we spoke to did say that it is absolutely terrifying and i remember the first time i sat in the actual chamber and um, when i was a special advisor this is when harriet harman stood in for gordon brown i just remember i don't think i had ever really heard noise like it. it's a really unique noise it's so loud it's a, a noise that you don't just hear in your ears you sort of feel it in your sternum you feel your sternum reverberating it's very much like walking into sort of an amphitheater as a gladiator so i think you're only human to feel nervous about it and you're right it's very easy for backbench mps and commentators and everybody else to you know be the armchair critic on it but very few people in politics will have ever had to stand at the dispatch box and actually face that so it's quite a unique 
privilege um, to have been at the dispatch box, a very unique experience. Next. Everything along the way is going to be different. I don't think you will be allowed to see me off at Heathrow. Travel journalist Simon Calder. How will holidays change once we're finally out of lockdown? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. There are a few things that'll get Brits out of the house faster than foreign flights for £15. And that's how EasyJet's trying to entice travellers back. You can book now for a bargain price, but you can't fly until Easter 2021. The travel industry has been absolutely floored by coronavirus. Holidays have been cancelled, travel agents are struggling, airlines have gone bust. So can we dare now think about booking a holiday again? Well, travel journalist Simon Calder's here via Skype. Bargain flight, Simon. Is this what we can expect from companies trying to get us back on planes? Uh, right now, it is for companies like EasyJet, which are just trying to get their their booking profile going. So, therefore, they they I mean, these are the sorts of fares that we would be expecting anyway um, in the normal run of things, because. Um, of course, uh, you know, the low-cost airlines will sell some seats at effectively below cost. Bear in mind, air passenger duty, £13. Airport fees, um, that, that's going to come up to a lot more than £15. But I think what we are seeing now in terms of, hey, everybody get on board, and what we will actually see nearer the time are very, very different. I envisage that um, we will see a lot less choice, that airlines will keep a lid on capacity because the best way to um, force prices up is to not have enough flights so that you and I will be paying uh, typically 50% more than we, than we um, were doing at um, the time of peak mobility, which I measure as um, 2019. And uh, if I look at the flights that I've been taking over the past six months or so from the London airports, just silly prices, uh, £15 quite frequently, um, going to America and back out to California, £300. I mean, those those sorts of prices are great when it, there's enough people 
booking late or filling up the front of the aircraft, paying high prices. But I don't think that you're going to have those numbers there. So, um, yeah, look forward or anticipate at least um, less choice and um, higher fares. Kind of get your bargain in just now if you can, I suppose. Yeah, look, if the, if there's a trip that you particularly want to make and it's a good price, I mean, it's not going to get any cheaper than 15 quid, then go for it. I'm looking at sort of my travelling restarting uh, as soon as possible. I'm simply not booking anything, though, because I'm having such a tedious time going through the whole refund business with every company that owes me money. I I, I want to keep that to a minimum. And so, therefore, I'm uh, uh, not going to start booking until the moment we know that, A, you and I can go to the pub, which would also mean that we could go to an airport. B, the Foreign Office has lifted the advice saying uh, do not travel anywhere abroad. Um, C, there's an airline or a train company or a shipping company that is prepared to take you to your destination. And then fourth, crucially, that that destination actually wants you and I to turn up. Is the travel industry talking about potential dates for reopening yet or is it too soon for them? Could we be seeing it this year, perhaps later this year? Let me give you three specific dates and those are... TUI, um, ostensibly saying things will start up again on the 15th of May. I don't hold out much hope for that. It's Britain's biggest holiday company. And I think what they're effectively doing is cancelling uh, uh, effectively in blocks. So I'm expecting a, an announcement any day now where they say, right, we've now cancelled everything up till the end of May. Another date, uh, P&O Cruises. They are setting off, and I have a booking on this, um, 700 quid, fantastic value, £50 a night, uh, setting off from Southampton, going to um, St. Petersburg. A two-week trip, how fantastic. Um, I think the chances of me actually stepping on board in Southampton are extremely low. And then a third one, which I think is much more realistic, the second biggest uh, package holiday company, which is Jet2, they're saying... From the 17th of June, we fully intend to run our normal uh, holiday programme. Now, I'd be very surprised if they managed to offer a normal holiday programme, but it could well be that a miscellany of nations, say maybe uh, Portugal, maybe Greece, maybe Turkey, are saying, actually, yep, we understand that there's uh, uh, still some risk from the coronavirus, but frankly, our economy absolutely depends on tourism. So I'm looking at domestic tourism restarting in the UK sometime in May increasingly it looks like the end of May and then European travel starting in June but by the time we actually get back to every single country saying yep in you come uh, we could be talking well towards the end of the year. For those looking at making a foreign trip whenever that reopens is it going to be different are there going to be new kinds of restrictions will there be a different atmosphere? Great question. It's going to be very, very different. Now, I'm of the school and I think there's quite a lot of people like me. I did a Twitter survey and about 40 percent of people like me. I will be absolutely there at the front of the queue um, once things restart. And I don't mind if other people are, are fearful I'm going to be there. But it will be something very different. It might be that you have widespread social distancing on flights. Now, this is actually a bit ludicrous because you've got three seats together, of course, on a, a narrow uh, bodied aircraft on either side of the aisle. And the idea is, oh, you um, leave the middle seat free. That increases the social distancing from 50 centimetres, I've calculated, to one metre. Wow. And you've also got somebody less than a metre behind you and ahead of you. So um, uh, I think that's not going to be a serious goer. There will be huge new uh, cleaning 
protocols put in, which is actually going to add to the cost of the low cost airlines because, uh, you know, the, the, their whole thing is basically, you know, you clear up your own mess. Um, we'll have a very quick uh, zhuzh through the um, cabin during our half hour turnaround and um, and then we're off again. That that will have an effect. But there's going to be every everything along the way is going to be different. I don't think you will be allowed to see me off at Heathrow. I don't think I will be able to welcome you at Gatwick um, because I think that non-travellers will be kept out of airports in order to reduce the crowds, which of course is going to make the concessionaries howl with anguish at the money that they are losing. There is various talk of various people having to wear masks the canadians have basically just said you've got to put on a homemade mask if you're traveling on a plane to from or within uh canada i don't think that that will happen um some countries will say you need a certificate showing you're coronavirus free before you can come in here and then there's a whole business of luggage my strong feeling is that we should all be encouraged to take hand luggage because that reduces one stage of the um, airport process on the way out and it means that you don't loiter around at um, baggage reclaim on the way back um and i think you will even find things such as very very closely regimented boarding of planes so i think they may well say right row 27 wait for row 27 row 26 and and so on um to avoid that sort of uh crowding but um it's 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 going to feel different how long it's going to feel different of course is way beyond my um uh my scope it will depend on how the uh uh, epidemic um, uh, works out what vaccines are available whether uh, you and i can get a, a a coronavirus passport saying either we've had a vaccination or we've um, had covid19 so many uncertainties but we will fly again it's just never ever in my lifetime going to be as good as it was immediately before this happened And that's the Leader Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>